G'day teabaggers, I'm going to be quick uh, with the plugs up the front, but there's some really important plugs up the front today. Firstly, uh, for Sydney friends, my Fire at Wheel tour is coming up there. I'm taking one night off the Melbourne Comedy Festival this Thursday night, and I'm doing two shows at the Sydney Opera House in the Concert Hall. Uh, this is a brand new show for Sydney. Uh, it is the only time I am doing a Fire at Will in Sydney uh, at all. Uh, but it is the only shows I'm doing in Sydney in 2016. So if you want to come and see a show uh, this Thursday at the Opera House, uh, there are two shows, particularly the second show, there's, um, there's some tickets left. So if you want to come along, Justin Hamilton's doing support. It's going to be huge. So that's the first plug. Second plug, of course, is this weekend, uh, the biggest moment in the history of the podcast, April 9th, we will be playing the Comedy Theatre at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. We... We'd love to sell it out. We mentioned on this podcast that it might be sold out by now, but it's not because it turns out that we had about 700 people who really wanted to come and now they're kind of trickling in. But uh, if we sell another 200 tickets, we're basically going to sell out a massive venue at the Comedy Festival for a podcast. And why wouldn't you want to come to it? It's Charlie and myself, of course. Uh, John Deeks hosting live How Will Do You Know, Charlie. Uh, we have Celia Pacola, Felicity Ward. Daniel Sloss, Lindsay Webb, Justin Hamilton, and there's going to be a bunch of other guests as well, plus a very special surprise guest. You don't want to miss this. Uh, if you cannot make it to Melbourne, we are going to have a live stream, not a video live stream because, you know, it's TOEFOP. Let's be honest, maybe even the audio live stream won't work, but we're going to have a crack. You can go to our website and you can click on the link there and it's only five bucks and you can listen in live. You'll be able to tweet along, you'll be able to play along and you'll be able to hear it, of course. Uh, if you cannot do that or if you don't want to do that, then, of course, it will come out as a podcast uh, down the track at some stage, but it won't be immediately. So if you do want to uh, do that, you can uh, pay the little thing. They'll archive it so you don't actually have to listen on the night. You'll be able to listen uh, in the period of time afterwards as well. Uh, so have a crack at that. Uh, that'll be really exciting. So uh, And also, when we're talking about po- uh, TOEFOP, uh, up on the Patreon page, we put a- another 100 copies of the book uh, from the 100th episode. Uh, we had 100 for the people who subscribe for $20 a month. We've put up another 100. They are going pretty quickly already. Uh, we actually got 300 copies of the book all up, so we are going to sell some of the books at the big live show on Saturday night. We also have done some prints of James Fosdyke's amazing poster. Probably James thinks it's the best poster he's ever done for us, uh, which is a big call. So we are going to have those, and we're going to sign those, and they will be available if you want to support the podcast as well. But you're going to have to come along on Saturday night to do that at the Comedy Theatre. I highly recommend it. It's going to be absolutely huge. It really is. Uh, two weeks ago at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm almost sold out already. The Bulldogs are coming on Wednesday, though. So if you'd like to be in the audience when uh, I have the coach of the Australian of the Year and the captain of the Australian Year in the audience, that'll be a fun night on Wednesday night. Uh, the weekend is going really quickly this weekend. In fact, to be honest, uh, because I've only got nine shows left towards the end, uh, they're all uh, looking like they're going to sell out. So if you do want to come along and see the show, I would recommend getting in sooner rather than later to come and see Fire at Will in Melbourne. Thank you so much to everyone who's come out, by the way. I've had such a great time doing the show. It's definitely my favourite thing that I've got to do, and I've really, really been enjoying it very much, and I've been enjoying the crowds as well. So uh, after that, I'm going to uh, Los Angeles. I get on a plane on Monday morning, and on the Thursday of that week, April 21st, uh, Gareth Reynolds will be doing support for me at the Nerd Melt Theatre as I do Fire at Will there in LA. Now, there's a bit of Aussie stuff, so if there's Americans listening to this who are like coming along, come along. 
I think you'll have a really fun time. And of course, I'll do my best to make sure that every bit of the show is understandable to the American audience. But it might be particularly a fun one if you're over in America at the moment uh, and you're a bit homesick and you want to hear about Australia. Or uh, if you maybe if you're in town for Coachella, it's in between the two, two Coachella weeks. So if you were looking for something fun to do in LA and you wanted to see the show, uh, last time Gareth and I did a show there, it was one of my favorite shows. In fact, maybe my favorite show I did a free will of all of last tour. So I will have to do some adjustments to make sure that the American audience can understand everything that I'm talking about but uh, it is only a one-off and it's just going to be a fun celebration of the show that night so come along to that and then three shows in the first week of May at the Perth Comedy Festival so uh, they are all on sale at at the moment Uh, so if you want to see me in Perth I know it's a bit early for Perth but basically what I'm trying to do uh, which I've explained a little bit is put all my touring into the first half of the year hit all the comedy festivals there are so many now so we've got Adelaide at the start of the year Brisbane Melbourne and Sydney and then Perth all have comedy festivals now so I'm trying to get all my touring of my show into those months so that I can, uh, you know, do some other things and spend some more time overseas and we can do some other things with the podcast and I can do some more experimental stuff and all those crazy things that I like to do. So uh, that's it for Perth. So if you come in May and then I'll be back, you know, probably next May. So uh, that's all the details you need to know. Sydney in particular, please come along to this show. I I really do want to see as many people there as possible. It's my hometown and I always love Uh, having a big full room at the concert hall at the Sydney Opera House. It'll just be a great night, and I really enjoy doing the show. Uh, We're flying my backdrop up. (laughs) I did not know we could do that, but apparently someone's getting on a plane with my backdrop, so it will be there at the Opera House as well, so you get to see James's great work, and, uh, and you'll get to see Justin. It's a huge show. Anyway. Enough banging on. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Sorry it's up a few days later than usual. Uh, mainly, I just put out a lot of podcasts last week. Uh, there was two new episodes of Fofop. So there's one up with uh, Jen Kirkman. There's one up with Daniel Sloss. They're, Sloss, they're both worth... Daniel Sloss is a whole different person. Much lazier than Daniel Sloss. Uh, Daniel Sloss, uh, we talked Batman versus Superman in the second half. So... Uh, if you haven't seen it yet or you don't want any spoilers, there will be a series of Batman versus Superman podcasts. I want to do one with Justin. Definitely want to do one with uh, Charlie. And I definitely want to do one with Dave at some stage. So, uh, look, here's the good thing about that movie. It's going to provide so much content for the podcast. And I guess that's the best we could have hoped for at the end of it. So um, check those out. And there's a brand new philosophy with Felicity Ward, who'll be our guest at the TOEFOB. Uh, if you have any interest in uh, mental health in particular, she is so open and uh, so informed and so generous about her thoughts about mental health that I think that episode is uh, well worth checking out. Oh, and of course, we put up our second episode of Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL podcast. And I think tomorrow we're going to try to do a Skype call, Charlie and I. Uh, and we will uh, try to do another episode of that. So hopefully there'll be a new episode of that out this week as well. So there's plenty of stuff coming down the line, but I hope you enjoyed this episode of TOEFOP. Oh, and you can vote for Charlie in some fitness thing. I think it's Men's Health Magazine. I I don't have the link, but the link will be somewhere on Facebook. And uh, basically, Charlie, when he lost all that weight and he did all that uh, gym fitness stuff, that was for uh, Men's Health, I think it's called. Uh, I may be getting that completely wrong. But it's one of the Men's Health magazines. I hope it's called Men's Health or Men's Fitness or Fitness for Men. Blokes who don't have shirts on. Blokes leaning back, looking casual, but actually trying to flex all their muscles at once. It's one of those magazines, and you can vote for Charlie to be on the the front cover of it. So that'd be pretty funny for Tofa. Maybe we should all get behind that. Maybe everybody on this podcast should definitely get behind and vote for Charlie in this. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's, let's make him win that. That'd be fantastic. All right. So do that. Uh, Enjoy this episode. And we 
We'll see a lot of you live on Saturday night. It's going to be huge. We've got so many good surprises for you. It's just going to be the best. Get there. All right. This was a long intro. I'm sorry about that, but thanks for sitting through it. You got to hear Daniel Sloth. So it was worth it for my speech impediments. All right. I better go. I've got to go and do the shelf uh, tonight. Uh, so uh, talk to you guys soon, sir. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. I'm Charlie Clawson. No, what the fuck? Uh, everyone relax. This, this, everyone relax. This tofop. How's I it start? L- I love that you fucked up the start of this <laughs> one. We just did our <laughs> other was, podcast. I now. was focused on I the H six to see if it was actually recording our AFL podcast. <laughs> I fucked up the date at the start, and now you fucked up the start of this. I mean, yeah. welcome to this professional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that we've been doing for five, six years. And six now, years. And we're now And doing, I've forgotten what the opener is. I mean, we haven't done a lot of it in six years, but we've done a fair bit of it recently and you've forgotten. Yeah. So uh, everyone relax. This is Topher. Yeah. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. What happened? It's Freaky Friday. <laughs> I'm, I'm Charlie now. I'm the new Charlie. Excellent. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's well, Comedy Festival has been going really well. I got four and a half star review in the Herald Sun, which I think it's the best show uh, I've ever written. Well, I'm just having a great week off home and away. Really <laughs> enjoying my time down here, catching up with the family and stuff like that. It's been really nice, to be honest. Seen some shows. How it's been the, great. Uh, the Saints almost had a win. I mean, I, I, look, I only saw the last quarter, but... <laughs> It looked really good. I watched the highlights today, though, on my uh, Telstra catch-up account. And <laughs> what what we're demonstrating is that we spend too much time together. I think we need. I think we need some space. Now that we're doing the show on a regular basis, we need some space. Well, the good news is that we're we're only doing a shorter episode because um, uh, when Gemma gets here, we've got to go to the airport. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to leave you here to upload this, and good luck with the rest of the festival. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And we're uh, back. We're back. We're back. We, uh, we're following on from uh, what I hope uh, was the last of the AFL talk because we've been trying really hard to keep those two yes, worlds separate. Exactly. But what I realized when I came round to your place to record is that so when we started doing TOEFOP, we would come around to see each other and all the small talk would disappear because we're like, right. oh, I'll save it for the podcast. But the one thing we could talk about was the AFL. So we'd always talk about that and then that would leak over normally into about the first 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> now we can't talk about AFL either. So we literally stood in silence for about 15 minutes while we set the H6 up. It was so weird. We have to find some <laughs> other area of conversation that we're just... There's something that we'd never talk about. Or oh, well, something we'd never do a podcast about. Yeah. That's all we need. I took a really good shit this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, not that. Let's go. Let's run through some other options. That's what. And, I would say. and also, we probably would talk about that on the podcast, right? Yeah. Well, we just did, so <laughs> that proved that wrong. Uh, I wore a pair of pants on sunrise the other morning yeah. uh, that made me look like I had an erection on television. Ah, oh, I've had that happen. 
It really looked not, like... Not an erection, but pants that looked like an erection. It looked... And it looked impressive. Oh, good. I and mean, it looked like... Well, yeah. if you're going to get a fake erection. I mean, it looked like there was... You know, they always say that, you know, like a baby's arm holding an apple. Yeah. Well, it was like it was a whole baby eating an apple. <laughs> like it was... Like, I was like, wow. It was moving and crunching. I was like, that's my publicity shot now. Look at that. That's like... What... Uh, was it the angle you're sitting on or do they always give you an erection? Uh, there are a new pair of pants. Uh, our friend Mary Lou has a company called Basic and they're a pair of pants and they've got a... I've got them. I, I, the, They've the, got the black call- ones with the drawstring. Yeah. They're fancy trackies. Yeah. Oh my god! I've got two pairs of those. They are the best pants. That I thought when I wear this out, people, I'm going to cop shit because people are going to go, "Are oh, you just wearing tracksuit pants?" But everyone's like, "Oh, they're really nice tracksuit pants." Right. <laughs> tracksuit like, pants that you can wear on television. Yeah. I thought until I had an erection on sunrise. <laughs> Looked like I was really excited about meeting the cash cow. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but they they have a drop cor- drop a drop crotch. I believe is what they call it. Well, not for you, buddy. No, no. For me, it was like, oh, hang on. Is this an the start, upright crotch? Is this the start of the Sydney to Hobart yacht race? Because he seems to be at full sail. <laughs> I did. The first uh, professional acting job I ever had was uh, uh, an outdoor theatre play, Anna Green Gables. They played Gilbert Blythe. Okay. And the last scene of the play, we would. Uh, What's uh, the plot of Anne of Green Gables? Did you never watch Anna Green Gables? Spoilers if there's any Anne of Green Gables. Anna Green Gables is yet. about uh, an, uh, a girl who's orphaned, I believe, um, on the Anne. island of Nova Scotia in Canada. Okay. And she is an outspoken, imaginative girl with bright red hair. Oh. Um, and so it's basically... A girl with opinions. That'll never <laughs> catch on. Boo! Boo, Anne of Green Gables. Boo! And she's got red hair. Boo! Uh, I think it's a oh god, it's a coming of age story of a girl who uh, you know is uh, has a lust for life. Uh, she lives life to the fullest. Sometimes that gets her into scrapes. Okay, but her love interest is um, Gilbert Blythe, who is the kind of dreamy. Oh, know, so you were the love interest? I was. Yeah, I was. Oh, you were trying to uh, deflower Anne. Yeah, you were trying to touch her green gables. No, I don't think I was trying to deflower her. What do I, I mean? Th- surely, right? Well. I think they're 14. <laughs> so finger her. Yeah. You were trying to finger <laughs> Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> I was trying to get into her Green Gables. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I can't remember what the plot is. It's something like she becomes a teacher or she wants to become a teacher and uh, she lives with her aunt who's stern but she loves her. Uh, Sounds geez. great. I can't. Sounds really great. It's very great. popular. You speak to most. You speak to most women, and they have because they made it to a telly movie in the eighties, right? That was very popular, and they replayed all the time. Anyway, the last scene of this play, uh, uh, Gilbert kisses Anne, and I was obviously Gilbert, and I had the, they had this wardrobe which was are they called knickerbockers? You sure. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're kind of those kind of tweed pants. Kind of what jockeys used to wear. Yeah, and you pull the white socks up to your knees and yeah. stuff like that. And you wear them with braces. I and think shit. knickerbockers. Knickerbockers, pantaloons? I mean, sure. No, I'm not sure what either of those really are, but... Pants... If you described those as either of those, I'd be uh, like, yep, okay. Pants that Mumford and Sons would wear. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Those kind of now pants. Now I know what you're talking yeah, about. Right. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Tom Sawyer kind yeah. of pants. Little Rascals kind of yeah. pants. Yeah, someone in a Mark Twain novel or Mumford and Sons would wear. Yeah. <laughs> And it's made from it's made from that really sort of um, stiff tweed material. I use the sure. word stiff for a reason. Yeah. So when it bunches, it actually holds its shape. It's a bit like Batman's cape in the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, okay. If you don't run an electric charge through it, it's just normal material. But right. you put my penis in it, <laughs> it suddenly looks very rigid. Okay. Um, and so I would kiss her at the end of the play. And because of the way the pants would bunch around, I would pull away from her and it would look like I was rock hard. And there was more than one 
a performance you did where, you know, we'd kiss, I'd pull back, and then I'd hear the audience go... <laughs> I assume it was because of my fake erection. And it's actually something that the wardrobe woman wanted to address. Uh-huh. She said... Uh, and you're like, but I'm getting this great laugh. <laughs> she was like, okay, we can fix this. We might just need to get the uh, pants adjusted. What side do you dress on? And I was like, I have no idea. And she's like, well, what side do you... And then I looked and checked myself. Right. I dress straight down the middle. Yeah. I don't dress to the side. That's what you are, Charlie. You're and a guy so that's just straight down the middle. I'm straight down the middle. Which is the most Big awkward Big Charlie place. and little Charlie, straight down the middle. I mean, that's the worst place for it, though. I know. And that's what actually gives it that little lift. So it looks like... Right. So even a, a flaccid penis looks like an erect one in the right pair of pants, Will. Right. If you're ranged in the right way. If you dress straight down. If your genital origami is on point. Did you know you had to dress to a side? I mean, you don't have to. You when was the first you time you became aware of dressing to a side? I mean... Uh, when, I you, did, when you fitted for your first suit? I just feel like it happens. Like, naturally. But if, you, if I asked you, what side do you dress to? I mean, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I feel like I mix it up. Well, you wear basic uh, tracksuit pants. You, I mean, don't, you don't dress to any side. Well, I mean, yeah. You I, just let it roam free. I mean, it just dangles down. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I literally am a teabagger. <laughs> That's how I dress. Yeah, I mean, very much. Yeah, just, you know. like I, I mean, I guess like the bats on uh, Batman's roof. It just kind of hangs... Yes. Hangs down, upside down. Yeah, whatever, whatever you sit, and if you're sitting on an angle, it rolls. It lazily rolls like a yeah, whale in the ocean, yeah. breaching. It just rolls to one side. I mean, really, the question here, Charlie, is whether, not what side I dress to, but what angle you approach it from. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, it's all in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Yeah, I think it must have been, that was the first time I was aware of it. I, I remember I had a job not long after that where I had to wear a suit. And the guy who ran the business said, I'll take, you've never bought a suit, but I'll take you down and I'll, I'll you know, take you to a suit shop and get you fitted. I'll take you to a suit and that's shop. And have you ever had that experience where you've gone to a tailor and they've like measured you up and they've got to measure your inside leg? I just recently had a suit made for me. It's awkward, right? It is a little awkward. Did they touch your junk? I when mean, they raised the tape measure? No. No. Just no. not even just brush the knuckles. No. Uh, really? Is my this, junk feel like, Is this something that you should be saying to a therapist rather than me? <laughs> Or the authorities? <laughs> are, I, you, are you reporting a crime? I think so. I think I was assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. He was a, and that's why I've never been able to wear a suit again. <laughs> I'd take him to court, but you have to wear a suit. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, it, was, it was an odd experience, but I guess they've got to get right up in there. They're I mean, get, they're, profe- in, they're professionals. You're yeah. in a thigh. They need to. Have you, I mean, you've had, have you ever had a mas- massage where they've brushed your nuts? Mm, yeah, probably. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I that, guess that's so. right. Acceptable part. Acceptable I mean, if part it's a the... brush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, when I, I learned to massage, Justin was my because you have to take when you do a massage course, you have to take like another human with you to mm. massage. And I was in Adelaide. You took Justin in, and not, I took Justin, not, not your girlfriend. Uh well, she was not there. Okay. So, and I didn't think I could take some random girl in. Yeah, that felt, that felt like a thing yeah. that would be inappropriate yeah, to do. That would be. But you could explain it. You've got a reason. Like, it's dodgy, but you could get away with it. If I, you fought hard enough, if you argued long enough, you could probably get away with it. Well, okay. So, so you, you bought a medical certificate. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> I just needed a woman. Well, what happened was Justin didn't know that you were meant to wear underpants, and so he didn't wear any underpants, and I was doing the massage, and uh, the person who was teaching the massage was doing one of his legs, and I was just copying yep. on the other leg what was happening, and then Justin went, what? 
That's my nuts. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. So you got right up in there. I did touch his... I don't remember, but he remembers. <laughs> yeah, of course he does, because he's been in therapy for eight years. Yeah. Well, also, I was concentrating more on the, like, you know, what yeah, I was doing. Yeah. So, for me, it, like, just happened incidentally. But for him, like, when someone touches your nuts, you, that's a full focus sort of thing. So, when I was like... For him, it was a bigger moment than it was for me, but... <laughs> arrogant bastard no i'm not saying in general i'm just saying at this moment like the because i'm touching everything yeah so you by while you're touching yeah everything, yeah, yeah. Then, i mean your hands are, yeah your hands yeah. all over his body anyway your knuckle brushing his balls isn't right. the worst thing that happened exactly there was i worked in a, a cafe when i was 18 and 19 as a waiter and there's a girl i worked with who said hey i'm studying massage you know they're um, going to be testing me soon do you want to come back to my place Mm. and I can practice on you. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, I do. You can make some massage. Waka, waka, waka. What followed was three hours of the most crippling, painful, genuine right. massage. Because even sometimes people who are like professional masseuses make you feel awkward and uncomfortable in massages, but you've essentially gone to the $7 haircut version of yeah. a massage. But I genuinely like, I mean, it was I wasn't, I, I, you wouldn't think it was a stretch for me to go, ah, oh. Right, she's asked me back for a massage. Right. This is going to lead to something. Well, you would think so. You'd think so, I right? thought all massages led to that. <laughs> <laughs> Your Honour. Your Honour. <laughs> and I'm sorry I have no pants on, but I had a very traumatic fitting for a suit. Yeah. I mean, this, I've had some massages uh, that have been like akin to torture. Gemma likes um, Chinese massage, which I believe is more like acupressure, yeah. where they find knots and they really just like lean on it. and. I find that absolutely excruciating to the point where last year she convinced me to have one and I was like, I don't know, this is the style of massage for me. And it was so painful that I actually was tapping my hand to get tapping out. out. Yeah, but she was USA laughing. Style. The woman would not, like I kept saying it's too hard, it's painful. And she, it was like, she knew better than me. Right. She was like. Well, she's like, I'm the expert. I'm the expert. I know what you need. And she just went harder, but. Surely at some point, I mean, what what do I have to say to stop that? Please get off me. It hurts too much. You have to agree to a safe word beforehand, <laughs> apparently. Uh, the interesting thing about that is because since my hips, uh, like... I, Your I hips really, don't lie. Uh, they do not lie. Uh, and what they're saying is I'm in pain. Yeah, <laughs> constantly. Yeah. They're like, you're constantly in pain and mas massage only makes it worse. Oh, really? Lying on a table for that long and then they get into places where they think they're helping and uh, they're not helping. They're just hurting me. Uh, and I also, it makes me realize how terrible I'd be as a political prisoner of war. Oh, yeah. Because like 45 minutes into a massage I'm meant to be having like a good time at, I would confess to anything in my entire yeah. life just to make them stop. Do you try and tough it out? Uh, last one I had was in Bali two years ago. It felt like, you know, you're in Bali. Mm. You know, they come over to the villa to do a massage. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. I'm done with massage. Yeah, right. Yeah. But can you not just get like neck and shoulders done? Yeah, but it just feels like... What's the point? What's the point? Yeah, it's you like, know? I don't want just a hand job. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get married, but we're only going to have hand job? I mean, don't start it if you're not going to... It's like having one beer. Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love I love a massage, but I've, what I've come to realize is I love the ineffective ones that do no good for you. Oh yeah, like because I, I see an osteo. You love a rub. I get I see an osteo for like you know genuine injuries and stuff, yeah. and that is like the shit I've said to that guy. I, I mean, I'm like Reagan in The Exorcist. Your mother sucks, gucks in hell. Get the fuck off me! That hurts so much. Stop. But he will just like you know, and it's beneficial. Like it actually works. 
But if I get a massage, I just want just gently rub me. Right. Just make it feel nice. You Treat me wanna, like I'm a house cat. You don't want to be massaged. You want to be spooned. Yes. <laughs> You want someone to stroke your hair yeah. while you're recovering watching a movie. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. And tell you you're great. The reason that I uh, did the massage course is mostly like, you know, so that I'm like good at giving Amy's feet a rub. And that's what people love for massage. Yes. You just want to sit on the couch watching The Walking Dead yeah. and have someone rub your feet. That's, you, that's okay. I mean, what do you reckon? I love having my hair washed. That's my big one. Ah, uh, like yeah. When the I'm head the, massage of their hairdresser yeah. is worth the over the overpriced haircut. Yeah. If there was some sort of like, I mean, I'm sure there is, but if there was some easy sort of way where you could just like get your hair washed, like, you know, I, I'd probably get my hair washed every day. I'd get it washed just on the way. I'll go and get my hair washed. You know what? Uh, this is getting into two guys, one cup territory, but we'll, we'll reappropriate it for TOEFOP. Uh, we're at the football yesterday. And we were, uh, two days ago, and we were hanging out with Luke Darcy, former Bulldogs champion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And his dad was a footballer. Yeah. And uh, I was saying, oh, so what was it like for him, you know, playing in the 60s? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, he used to have like a cigarette at halftime and stuff. And he's gone, you know what was weird? Yeah. Is the club had a hairdresser, and the players would get their hair washed at halftime. Right. And we were just like, that's insane. We could we didn't actually hit upon what we thought the reason for that was, did we? I mean, the, the, the interesting- Is it a look thing? They've got to look presentable? I mean... Uh, it was the 60s. Avoid hair tests. <laughs> the footballers were all like bogans back then. Like, I mean, I guess it was like... I mean, it was probably cold. <laughs> Sorry, I just got the hair That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was probably um, cold, you know, like you get your hair cut, you have a shower, they give you a bit of a... You know, you go At back in the second, second half or refreshed. I don't know about that. Like, is it maybe getting mud out of the hair? Yeah, the West- it was the old days where you yeah, were playing in the been. mud. It was cold, yeah. mud. Get your hair it washed. It seems odd to be a professional go back hairdresser. Out. I mean, this was a place... Have, have a massage, this is, this get was, your hair washed, make then, a day of it. Back, back then, like, uh, you know, football clubs or institutions <sighs> where you wouldn't see, like, a black person, no. but you'd see a hairdresser. Hairdresser, yeah. That's odd. I mean, it's pretty odd. I mean, I'd like to know if it was specifically the Bulldogs or, or if all clubs, clubs had a hairdresser. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on, Melbourne would have had to have had a hairdresser. I mean, I would have thought Probably it one of those big machines you put over the hair to dry it at the end as well, you know? It's probably because the Bulldogs, like, have always been such a poor club that all the rest of the, like, hey, all, uh, have you guys heard? Collingwood have now got a sports scientist who helps them with their diet and running and stuff like that. Uh, we've got a hairdresser. <laughs> so... You're and it's not like, even really a hairdresser. It's someone's auntie who said she'll cut the hair for five bucks. It's the boot starter, but yeah. he also cuts hair. <laughs> yeah, that was unusual. I just, I, I mean, that's a film there. Like the hairdresser in a footy club at the 60s. I mean, it would be great kind of play or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you I mean, the hair, and, and maybe the hairdresser's guy. I mean, that's stereotypical for a hairdresser, but yeah. like it would be. Stereotypes like, come from somewhere. Right. And it'd be that great thing where you could kind of have the, like the first sort of, yeah, these guys getting used to, you know. Being around a gay guy. Being around a gay guy at a football club, the most masculine of all places. I'm trying to think of the 60s. Who are some 60s footballers? Like Doc Baldock, uh, Peter Hudson. What were their haircuts like? That wasn't in the 70s. In the 70s, I started to get fancier, right? That's when you started right. getting a bit of like. Well, everybody in the 70s, like, like you know. Because 50s haircuts would have all been short back and side. Just right? the same, yeah. So the 60s a bit shaggy for footballers or is that too counterculture? Oh, man, I don't. I, yeah, I think footballers were a bit more conservative. I don't think yeah. there was like heaps of hippie yeah, right. footballers. Yeah. Anyway, we have another podcast where we can talk about this. <laughs> so... <laughs> we're trying, I swear to God. We're trying so hard. <laughs> 
Um, uh, my show was early the other night. Yeah. Um, so on a Sunday, I do an earlier show. And because we come straight from the football, I had forgotten that uh, my alarm was set on my phone. So like during the show, like on stage, Your my own alert, phone went off. My own alarm went off. Fucking hell. Uh, which is set to this like horrible like horn to wake me up, you know. Oh my God. But the other thing I had to admit to the audience was, oh yeah, I set an alarm for 7.15 because my show is at 8.45 and I need to make sure I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a committed performer. You know, I just have to make sure. Do you ever have... Um, you know, like people have anxiety dreams about being at school and there's a oh, test yeah. on and stuff. Do you have anxiety dreams where you're on stage and you don't know your material? I used to have ones, no, um, but I used to have ones about the comedy festival. Because I have nightmares about you being on stage telling jokes. <laughs> Four and a half star nightmares. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> read like a five star nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> half a star off because I woke up and I'd wet the bed. <laughs> Um, I used to have that one that we all have about the, that school one. Um, I used to have that about the comedy festival. Like, you know, I, it gets to the day before the comedy festival and I don't have a show, you know, mm. that sort of thing. But I, that's gone away. So I don't, I don't know why that is, but I haven't, I haven't had that one probably in a decade or so. But I used to have that. Exa- I had a bit of anxiety dreaming last night because I had uh, my US consulate visa appointment this morning and I know those things are a bit full on and it was a bit full on it just takes hours and you're standing around in this place where everyone doesn't quite know what's going on yeah, and, right. and you know um, so I wanted I, I didn't want to miss it obviously it's hard to get so you set your alarm an hour and so, 15 minutes before right And but I had one of those mornings where I'd set it too early so, so when I actually woke up, I was like, oh, what am I going to do in like the two and a half hours in between now? And so I was like, okay, well, I'll go back to bed. So I went back to bed. And then because I was only half asleep, then I had like proper nightmares about missing the alarm like yeah, over right. and over again, like woke up in a sweat. Yeah. That's when you need the inception technology because then you can just go deeper and slow time down. Although what would be motivating? What would be, I wonder if you went deeper from your anxiety. If you went deeper from your anxiety, you're going to miss the appointment dream. What's the next level below that, I wonder? Bulldogs premiership. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I'm going to handle it when it happens this year. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> anyway, other podcasts. Yeah, other, other podcasts, other podcasts, other podcasts. But you should listen to it. It's really good, even if you don't like football. Uh, what has been going on with you? I, well, we spoke on the last one about you doing the the Channel 7 thing. You were down yeah, so What the, else has been going on in your world? Well, Channel 7 thing, and then I just came down and spent um, Easter in Melbourne with my family. So um, I've been making some trips to mum's place in the yeah. kind of three months since she's died. How's is, that? Um, it's interesting like i i came down a month ago and went and stayed at her place and you know it's as kind of as upsetting as you'd expect um but then it's just it's just kind of weird it kind of because we've decided as a family that we're going to leave her place intact until you know everyone's had time to um spend some time there and then we'll sort of work out what we do next so you go in there and it's like she should be there right and so that that's what i think is the initial kind of shock is it's just like it's it feels uncanny and I remember at the time, the first feeling I had is, oh, I feel like I'm intruding because she lives in a block of four. I feel like I'm intruding on the neighbors. Like I feel like I'm an interloper. And it's just sort of felt uncomfortable. Like I didn't feel like I belonged there. And then this time I came down with Jem and, uh, you know, she sort of was going through her first experience of being there. And then what she said, which I think is more accurate, is oh, it feels weird. It feels like we're in Eileen's place. Right. Because it is set up like her place still, you know. Like it's so weird how... 
senses affect the memory. Like when you walk into my mum's kitchen, there's a smell that hits you and then there's like the sound of a ticking clock and there's all these kind of things that trigger, you know, a, a thousand memories. And then it's just sort of weird to kind of be in that space but know it's sort of permanently changed. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's emotional but it's also, um, it's just really interesting. Like I was thinking about timelines the other day or quantum mechanics and all that kind of stuff and you know there's this sort of idea which is smarter people than me explain much better than me but it's the idea that time occurs simultaneously you know it doesn't occur in a linear fashion we just perceive it that way it's how our monkey brains are able to move through this life and it sort of makes sense when you have an experience like this because on one hand you know it's now and she's gone and the house is empty but it only takes like in a, a microsecond for me to feel like she's there and have a memory of something. And it, it kind of feels like these things are all happening simultaneously, you know? And I think that you spend all this time thinking about yourself in different states. Like you've got your present state will and you've got future will and there's past will. And, um, you know, you always kind of feel that, you know, past will and future will are kind of different from you. That, you know, the things that you did, you know, growing up that, you know, somehow now objectively you do differently or, you know, you're now on the outside of it. And then you think about future you and it's your hopes and dreams and where you'd like to be. But ultimately it's the same person each place. You know, like the, your present mindset, you have this future bias, for instance, that, you know, you're procrastinating writing a new show or whatever. I'll do it tomorrow because tomorrow I'll feel like doing it. But really future you is you. You know what I mean? Right. And you're in that example you just used there, I, I do actually remind myself that of a, a little bit, which is like you're only making tomorrow's, like th that guy's day worse. Yeah. If you do something yeah. today, that guy tomorrow will thank you for that. Yeah. Because he'll be able to have a better day because you did one of the fucking things you expected he was going to want, want to nail tomorrow. Yeah. So I guess that that kind of awareness now sort of helps with the whole kind of grieving process, I guess, because, you know, I can, and she, and the other thing that's great is that mum was an artist and she kept, you know, uh, journals, you know, for a lot of her years of her life and she writes like she speaks, you know, so it's, it's easy to kind of plug into that stuff and kind of get transported back to that conversation you had or, or some memory or whatever. So it's, um, it's weird. Like I spent all of last year dreading her dying, you know, like trying to get prepared for it and stuff and. And, and then it sort of happened and you're in the middle of it. And as it's happening, you're like, oh, okay. Like this is not like the thousand and one contingencies I'd played out in my brain. Right. It was just what it was. Yeah. And now I'm on this other side of it and all that stuff's in the past. And now I'm dealing with this present moment. And so it's weird. Like I, I, I keep expecting, you know, one of my imagined outcomes to occur, but it doesn't. You know, it's only the present. It's only what you're going through at the time. It's, it's, am I making any sense? Or no, is it? it's good. I mean, I yeah. yeah, I'm enjoying hearing you talk about it, so that's why I'm not talking. Oh, right. <laughs> You're just staring at me, eyes were crossing. You were like, I'm like, you were like, I don't know what <laughs> that thing is where Will's not talking <laughs> and trying to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> I've never experienced that before. Uh, yeah. So it's not. And the other thing is like, you know, because she's left so much behind, 
Oh, uh, you know what I was thinking? I was there was one point where I was like, there was something comical I was going to say, yeah. and I didn't know if the tone was right because I was like, because your mum has all those journals. Yeah, like there was this, this little bit in my mind where I have this like fantasy moment of like suddenly your mum's writing because people were introduced to her through this and whatever. People want to read her journals, so you put a little bit out, and it turns out it goes all around the internet. It's like a big hit. Like people really like, oh my god, this is like you know six people you meet in heaven sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah. you know changes. It's on Oprah, yeah, yeah. and then suddenly you're like the reverse of Tupac. Mum, yeah, you're just like constantly finding shit yeah. that your mum wrote. Like now, you're just like, this is the latest one: milk, yeah, bread. Uh, hang on, this that's just a list uh, of the groceries. Yeah, that's Charlie. right. <laughs> no, no, this is one of her more poignant ones. Uh, this is the address book where she wrote right. down all our address addresses every year. Yeah, I this think, is, as she I said, think some kind of twenty-one uh, Russell uh, Lane. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's stuff that we're not when, but when she, in the last kind of week that she was alive, when I was I was hanging out with her, <clears throat> we were kind of talking about you know what was going to happen, and and she was sort of saying that you know she really has realised that the only two thing, well the only thing that you you leave behind is the relationships you make, you know, all the money in the world, all the assets in the world, it doesn't doesn't mean anything once you're gone. It's just the relationships you leave behind. Right. But the other thing that I've come to realise it's what you create, because she was an artist, so you walk into her place and her entire hallway, you know, you've seen it's just got all her paintings on the wall. Right. And then there's all these books and stuff. And I'm actually getting like a deeper sense and a completely new sense of my mother because of what's happened and now that I'm delving into this stuff. Like, so it's a kind of gift that has, you know, that, that is now giving something else. And, and it almost took, if she hadn't gone through experience, if she hadn't done my podcasts, you right. know, none of that stuff would have existed if it wasn't for the cancer. And, you know, I kind of I listened back to the last podcast she did on, on That's Awesome, um, you know, which we recorded a month before she died because I wasn't sure how I was feeling, you know, about being in that place. And, you know, I'd been reading her journals and she kept very detailed journals and, you know, she's funny and she's... She was like, did, did Charlie's podcast? <laughs> yeah. It was a bit... Charlie was a bit shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she does say something like that after the first podcast what? we did. Are you serious? Yeah. She, she, I'll have to find what it is. But she does write something that is fairly middling in her Gives review. Gives us three stars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but she... Um, <laughs> all, that, all that kind of stuff when you... You know, if you think, look at the podcast and the journals and stuff, like she... She keeps saying the whole way through it, even that she's ready to go. She keeps saying, you know, um, I just want a happy death. Right. You know, um, she keeps, she starts monitoring what's happening to her body. Her skin's drying up. You know, she's getting the ulcers, all this kind of stuff. And she's, she keeps using this tree analogy, which is amazing, which is like, you know, it's no different to you look at the leaves on a tree. Eventually the leaves on the tree, they dry up and they fall off the tree. And that's just nature. That's just what happens. So that was, a, that was really good for me to go back and listen to the podcast last night and be reaffirmed that the whole way through this process, because part of you when you go to your darker thoughts is like maybe she was faking it. You know, maybe she was trying to make us feel better. Maybe she was trying to make herself feel better. But upon all evidence presented to me from what she said on the podcast, from what she wrote in her diaries, from what she said to me, what she said to my siblings, you know, she was kind of ready for this and she was happy, you know. So it's, it's, been, it's been really good. It'd be great if somebody found it as a secret set of diaries. Yeah, yeah. Where she said what she really meant. Yeah, yeah. And that's all for PR. She actually faked up these entire diaries, and she's like, "Now here's the shit that I really thought about my fucking family." Well, I found <laughs> I found some email at one stage in like 
about 10 years ago. WikiLeaks <laughs> exposes them. Mum decided to start like a newsletter from the desk of kind of thing. Where, oh, okay. Well, she thought it would be a good way to keep the whole family updated on what everyone's doing because yeah. there's a million of us. Sure. Because she, she's the conduit. She would speak to everyone. And so, you know, every Sunday she'd send off an email from the desk of Eileen where she would update everyone. And they're great. They're so funny. But one of the ones, uh, one of the updates, uh, she said, um, uh, and as you know, uh, 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 Charlie was on the glass house this week and, you know, made everyone laugh with his funny jokes. I spoke to him on the phone afterwards and he name dropped and he talked about Will and Dave Hughes and stuff, which he knows I like to hear. And I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't name dropping. They were on the panel I mean, with be, me. It'd be weird to discuss your experience on the show without at least giving us a shout out, to be honest. <laughs> would have felt like you were deliberately excusing us if we didn't get a mention. <laughs> oh, you know, you'll never know who I met on the show. The people who were on the show every week. <laughs> I should also mention that I caught up with, the family I caught up with in Melbourne uh, yesterday. Um, uh, Gemma was saying, oh, so you know, Will and Charlie doing a live show at the Comedy Theatre, a big venue. So if you guys want tickets, you know, just let us know. Boy. Not a lot of hands not a, went not, up. A, not a big rush. Yes. It was so funny. My brother, I think, out of sympathy, is like, well, yeah, I'll go. And then he turns to his kids and says, you know, Emily, you want to come? And she was like, um, I might be busy. I just got to take it. Like, I was like, holy fuck, you oh, can't man. even pretend you want to come? Come on, guys. And then say you're busy later? <laughs> yeah, Suffice yeah. to say, <laughs> my family don't seem to be fans. I was saying this, though, about um, – uh, I ran into uh, this uh, lovely person, Marnie, uh, who uh, works at the Comedy Festival and has worked around the Comedy Festival. But uh, the reason I mentioned is because she gave me my first ever gig at the Comedy Festival and I saw her backstage at the gala. Mm. And I was saying, I can't believe it's 21 years ago that you gave me my first ever show. And she, she talked about how she stood at the back of the room and she went back to the office and said that night, you know, Will, you, you did really well, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, that's interesting because there was about 20 of my family in the room that night who never <laughs> come back. <laughs> Like in 21 years, they went, nope, that'll do us. <laughs> yeah, it's like, funny that, isn't not it? Not one bit. Like, I mean, literally, Charlie, there have been years at this festival where I am the, like the number one selling act of the festival and they're still like, nope, saw it, didn't like it. Wow. Did not like it and nothing has changed my mind that it might be better in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe the reviews. I don't believe the crowds. I fucking saw it and yeah. it was shit and we're done. Well, as my sister told me yesterday, she thinks it's good that they keep me grounded. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, there's grounded. There's been bloody buried. Yeah, I was about to say, six feet under? That's yeah. not grounded, mate. That's in the ground. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, just to uh, plug, in one week's time, or roughly less, probably less than one week's time, about six days' time. Yeah, it will be, well, because this will go out, uh, yeah, on the Sunday. So, yeah, uh, yeah it'll be less than a week. The countdown, uh, it, it, it may even be sold out by the time you hear this, but if it's not, there's... Not many tickets left because uh, thank you very much for the big support of it. It sold amazingly well. We sold. I know. I was so disappointed because uh, I got uh, emailed a figure that was, you know, I thought was pretty underwhelming. And uh, I saw you on Sunday and uh, you're like, so ticket sales are going well. I was like, really? No. And you're like, no, that was the first 24 hours. Right. That's well, what that sold. was the pre sale. Yeah. We sold in the pre sale with the Patreon you know, subscribers and those sort of things uh, as many tickets as the room would have held last year. And then we sold double that the next day. And I so. but was a part of you that was scared that. Maybe we just plateau at like 300. That's, oh. that's, that's our fan base. There's a part of me that's still scared of that. <laughs> we sold the first 600 or so really fucking quick yeah. and now they're kind of dribbling out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we may only have about 620 people who really want to see the show, <laughs> but I'm hoping that's not the case. We have an amazing lineup because uh, we're going to do How Will Do You Know Charlie? 
uh, John Deeks live hosting the thing, which is already brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of uh, faux fop uh, guest Charlies who have agreed to come down and be part of the madness, uh, plus a big special guest that is not Russell Crowe. Yeah. I realised that I've talked that, up, talk that or, up too much or, to the point yeah. where people thought it was teased Russell Crowe. Yeah. I teased it too much. Yeah, I don't even, I'm not even sure if Russell's aware of this show. He's got to be aware. I mean, he must have typed T-O-F-O into Google Just, at some stage. I mean, his fingers don't look that nimble. Yeah. Uh, like once he's got a hit, miss hit predictive a text and gone, yeah. oh, what's that thing that's almost the same as let's, surely? Let's make a prediction for the show. Let's time capsule it. One prediction from the show next week. Okay. So, what, I mean, what sort of thing? What are you talking about? Um, 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 who will get the biggest laugh? Uh, I think John Dix. Yes. Yeah, John Dix. John Dix after last year's form has got to be firm favourite you know in the what, betting. Though, but this will be his. Okay. Uh, this will be his second year blues. Difficult second album. Oh, that's not quite can right he, though, because he, he made his. Da- he made his date. Well, do, does Top Up One Hundred count as? But that could be like the Nab Cup. Oh, that was your preseason. Or let's use another analogy, not related to football, but <laughs> people understand. Off Broadway. That, that was his off Broadway debut. That was debut. his Adelaide Fringe. Yes, that was him <laughs> running the show in at the Adelaide Fringe. Yeah, yeah. So okay, that that's fair enough. So, like, well, last year he was the underground hit of the festival. This year he's stepping up into the big room, and can he? You know, yeah. It's his def- difficult second album. Yeah, but here's what I I have full faith that much like oh, again yeah. I was about to do another football analogy. <laughs> <laughs> This is fucking hard. You guys don't realise how hard this is for us. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's still got to be the firm favourite. Yeah. If I was putting a market together, um, I would say favourites going in with the bookies uh, at this stage with announced guests yeah. would be, I'm going to say, biggest laugh of the night, John Deeks would be firm favourite. Maybe get your $3 for John Deeks. Yeah. Uh, then at around $7. Oh, uh, that's a long way back. Yeah, I reckon Deeksy is that clear. firm favourite. So, so would you say, well, it's Deeksy then Daylight? It's Deeksy then Daylight. That's what I'd say, Charlie. <laughs> uh, and I would say at about $7, uh, Felicity Ward. A lot of uh, good money for Felicity Ward. And she's done the show before. Done the show before and always a great performer at those live shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did my one in London. Uh, absolutely floored that as well of the Fofop show. She's a, a proven live podcast performer charlie uh very very fancied uh, both the first laugh and biggest laugh on the market that we're framing and uh, look uh then i can get you eight dollars on secret guest yeah secret guest uh, yeah. at eight dollars well it's definitely not russell crowe then and the odds are that short then uh i can frame your market ten dollars pretty much across Lindsay webb justin hamilton daniel sloss that's your sort of so if outlier. i wanted for, if I, would you offer me a box, box trifecta i can give you a, a charlie and will box <laughs> at sixteen dollars <laughs> um i should also uh let people know because it's been a long time in the making but the books are done man the books are done the books have arrived they look fucking awesome um, we will be sending those out shortly. Uh, we're probably going to get them out after TOEFL 100. There will be some uh, for sale, I think. That's what we're yes. planning on. Our plan a is... A limited number to sell. A limited number to sell at the gig and also a, a number of the posters signed. Uh, if you haven't seen James Fosdyke's amazing artwork, uh, we're going to get some posters and hopefully sign those as well and sell those on the night. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if that seems like the sort of thing that you would want, some of that stuff might be available there on the night as well. Yeah. Yeah, so. Plus a Jen Kirkman hologram, which I didn't mention in my 
market, but is it $8.50? Yeah. If you're wondering what the Patreon money is yeah. going for, we've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've spent $4 million. Yeah. Look, I've got to be honest with you. It's going to mostly look like Tupac's body with Jen Kirkman's head. Yeah. But Did you, uh, do you know much about 3D uh, technology? Nope. Oculus Rift and all that kind of jazz. I mean, I understand what you're talking about, but... Okay, so uh, basically um, 3D technology has been tipped as being the next big sort of like yeah. entertainment medium. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people who are investing money into, uh, I guess... Well, I'm, I know most of it from filmmaking, but I guess games as well and stuff. Um, and the Inclusive experiences. And so, yeah, totally immersive experiences. So if you can... The best way to describe it so is... They take a camera that looks something like a science, like science fiction droid, which is this sort of little dome unit that has cameras on it pointing all directions, 360 mm. degrees. Then that thing moves through a space, recording everything around it, up, down, left, right, 360 degrees. And then that is fed through a computer and you put on a pair of goggles. So when you are in that space, you can look in any direction that those cameras were pointed in. So if you can imagine a, a scene from like... Um, Back to the Future, where Marty okay. goes into the diner to meet his father for the first time. Mm-hmm. The way that has been shot is the camera looking one direction. What they're proposing with films now is you shoot that scene, but you have 360 degrees movement. So you as the viewer can choose to watch Marty and his dad having that conversation, but you can also turn your head around and look at the guy making the milkshake, the cars going past. It's pretty fucking radical. The question people are trying to ask from a filmmaking point of view is how do you turn that into a story? Right. Because it only seems to really have one application at the moment, which is kind of gaming. similar to the go... Well, gaming is... Well, it's got to be separate from gaming because yeah. they're already developing their own thing. But people want to know, can you tell a story, like an immersive story, right. a narrative from a first-person perspective? Because the only, the only thing I can think of at the moment is what they do with GoPro now. You know, like Red Bull stuff, a GoPro to a BMX rider's head and, you know, he'll take you through a thing. But that's, that's just stunt work. Can you tell a narrative? Like, can you make someone a first-person perspective in 3D technology and tell a story? I mean, uh, point-of-view porn's quite popular. Is it? Yeah. You know, like that sort of, like, you know, where you don't see the... Yeah, right. You know, you only see the kind of and other they person. And, they, and, they don't, and you don't interact. You don't have a voice. The person talks. Right, they talk, interact. but you don't talk. But don't you think that would be weird in a film to have people come up to you and talk and then you're basically just drifting through... If, if you're, I reckon it'd be work. It, again, if you're creating a Batman, I guess again this goes for uh, like games and why, why it works probably better for games. Mm. But I reckon a mystery, like you know what's quite popular in the US at the moment is those like uh, I can't remember what they're called, but you know those puzzle rooms or whatever they are. Yeah. You know there was the escape rooms where you go in, you have to solve a like series of mysteries to get out of there. I can imagine again you kind of, but if it was a yeah, a murder mystery or like yeah. a like some sort of you know thing that had to be completed or yeah. whatever that you could probably do it from that perspective and everything along the way is some sort of challenge that okay. the hero needs to overcome. So as the writer of the the narrative, why you're 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 writing from a first person perspective? Do you give your character dialogue? Does he respond or, or she respond when they're spoken to? Or is it like POV porn <laughs> where the other person just talks? Yeah, I think it's just the other. I don't think you respond. Is it probably? Like the way you could make a good choose your own adventure movie. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, so basically that's what they've got to do first. They've just got to make all the choose your own adventure books in a yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that's where but, it might be handy where you could make a choice but in a isn't, movie. But, and okay, the, but the reason why I reckon that wouldn't work is that's what games are for. Right. Games are true. And, and they are virtually movies now, like the graphics and stuff and, you know, the, the cut scenes. You, uh, to sidetrack a bit, the technology is also. Pause for a second. Yeah. We're back. 
Yes, Will, so, you were, I, I had to go to the bathroom. Bolted, my God. Oh, well, you been, were talking to me very intently and your knee was jiggling. I'm like, wow, Will's really in this conversation. No, I just really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, had a, I had a long lunch with Russell before this. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so what I was saying was the technology is being used for uh, to train people for surgeons and stuff like that. Right. That's the adaptation. So, again, it's like... These are all experiential things, like the choose your own adventure, the you know the, the you know the the GoPro stunt thing, the surgery. It's not a narrative. How do you tell a convincing, interesting, engaging narrative from a first person perspective? Is it just a matter of watching, like maybe only times in the film that you can become the first person? So imagine it's oh, a Jason. Right. Like so you're the, just watching a normal film, right? And you slide into. But it. if it's say a Jason Bourne film, you can be in one of the fights, or you can. Yeah. Fly, if it's Batman, you can fly around in the Batmobile, like you can go yeah. into. So when Batman is flying through the city fighting the Joker, you know you can suddenly be sitting in, in there being sort of Batman, or at least yeah. immersed in what's you're seeing and like in that environment maybe you can step into the character yeah you know someone's gonna someone's gonna crack the code and i think it's gonna like you know it's probably gonna be james cameron oh yeah it's probably what he's working on he's probably already nailed it yeah he's probably getting it out for christmas that's right but he just has to make a whole new movie and (laughs) a whole new planet he just made from scratch himself well well, i think he's doing he's doing avatar too that's the next one you still haven't seen avatar have you no that's amazing I'm i'm never gonna see it but you you'll go and see batman versus superman but you won't go see avatar 2 I, Avatar 1 I mean No I'll just go and see the second yeah. one <laughs> I think you'll be fine You'll catch up I'd love if Avatar 2 Instead of it being like Yeah because James Cameron The thing that like he's I mean the reason If he's waited this long He clearly wants to do something Even more amazing For the second one. Oh yeah Right But I hope I wish it went the other way I love when they make Like the, the sequel That's clearly for the Straight to television Or whatever yeah, sequel yeah, yeah Like they've made some Crouching tiger Hidden dragon sequel Where you can like You know See the strings As they fly yeah, around yeah. Sort of thing I'd love if Avatar 2 Was just like people With like purple Like with blue paint on yeah. And like got- And instead of uh, Sam Worthington They've got Ian Ziering Right <laughs> Sharknado versus Avatar. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I, I don't know how it works with, um, I guess the studio takes the rights, but did you ever see they made a sequel to Donnie Darko? Donnie Darko 2, and it's about his little sister. Donnie Darko. And it totally reeks of... Uh, I did not know that, by the way. Yeah, there's Donnie Darko 2. And there's an American Psycho 2 as well. Like characters that ostensibly didn't have sequels in them have, you know, the studio's like, oh, there's some brand recognition there. But it's like... Donnie Darko, interesting film, and I think, you know, cult classic and people like it, but it didn't make that much money. Right. Is it something that you sequelize? I mean, it's I, that sounds like the craziest sequel of all time. That sounds like something that you would hear see in an Onion headline. Yeah, Donnie Darko too. Even darker, yo. <laughs> <laughs> even Darko. I can't even remember his sister in the film, his little sister. I mean, I, Oh, she's in Sparkle Motion. Yeah, and yeah. what is it told, like... I mean, what's the story of Donnie Darko 2? Look it up. We, we're running out of time, but I, want, I do want to know what the plot line to Donnie Darko 2 was. We've got time for this. Hang on. I do love the idea that like there was somebody was like... And it, was it by the same guy? No. No, that's what I think's happened. I think this is a classic example of a studio. I mean, what a crazy thing for even another director to step into the shoes of. Um, Don't you think? Well, not if you like, oh, want to get I paid. I liked the first one, but I didn't understand the ending. <laughs> I'm going to make one that makes sense. All right. Donnie Darko. Oh! Donnie Darko 2? Maybe it's called Even Darker? I don't know. Donnie Is it Darko called two. Even Darker? I can't. Does it say sequel? Is it a Donnie Darko sequel? Or Maybe something? that's what I should look up. Donnie Darko sequel. 
Just pause it for one sec. It's going to take long. Okay. I wasn't dreaming it. Just for a second, there was a moment when Charlie was Googling it that he was like, did I just make this <laughs> I was like, fuck. All right. So S. Darko is a 2009 science fiction drama directed by Chris Fisher starring Devi Chase, Brianna Evigan, and Ed Westwick. Okay. So Don't, a real A-list class cast. Uh, it's a sequel to the 2001 cult hit Donnie Darko. It was released on DVD and Blu-ray, just mm. like you like yep. with your sequels. Uh, it's 1995. Samantha Darko follows her best friend Corey on a road trip from Virginia to California in an attempt to become professional dancers because they're in sparkle motion, remember? Mm -hmm. Their dreams are cut short when their car breaks down in a tiny Utah town. They're saved by the local town bad boy, Randy, who takes them to a local motel where they meet the conspiracy-loving owner. He tells them of Billy Moorcroft, Gary Moorcroft's brother. Right. Took a great mark once. Didn't play much footy after that. We've got another podcast. Star of, star of the other movie, Billy Barker. <laughs> a boy who went missing. Samantha starts sleepwalking. A future version of her meets Justin at the windmill. I mean, it sounds like it makes as much sense yeah, as the, the first, first one. one. And tells him that the world will end. There you go. Okay. Well, not the original. However, Justin knows this already. The next morning, Samantha wakes up on a bus stop bench where a policeman finds her and warns her about a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> He offers to drive her back to the motel, but they two end up stopping at the site where a meteorite crashed. Oh, oh my God. God. I think they got 30 pages in. We're like, fuck, we don't know oh, what, what we're doing. What are we doing? Samantha tells Corey she doesn't remember what happened the night before. While at a cafe, science fiction loving, uh, science loving geek Jeremy tries to talk about the meteorite with Samantha. Randy invites the two girls to a party where he tells her of his brother who went missing and how hard it was, how hard it's been on his family. Future Samantha. Stands in the middle of the road. Oh, hang on. Is future Samantha still in this? I guess so. I thought we And is nearly hit by a car. Justin okay. sees her and is entranced. Her ghost... What? What? Her ghost takes him to a local non-denominational church and commands him to burn it down. When did the ghost come into also, it? Also, and why a non-denominational church? Well, we don't want to offend anyone. They're right. going to have to sell it in parts of the Bible Belt. <laughs> the next day, they find Justin's yeah, dog where, tags. where Donnie Darko did so well. <laughs> yeah. The next day, they find Justin's dog tags in the ashes of a church. Samantha runs into Jeremy, who's beginning to show signs of radiation exposure oh, off of the meteorite. Okay, yeah, okay. Subsequently, right. Justin has begun working on forging a bunny mask skull out of metal, oh. saying he needs to help his princess. Samantha <sighs> wanders the town and soon encounters Randy and Corey, I think they're just like throwing characters in now. Samantha tells Corey how she wants to get out of town, but the two get into a fight. Samantha runs away and Randy's car unexpectedly run into by another car, pushing his car into Samantha and killing her. Pushing his car into Samantha and killing mm -hmm. her? Corey's full of anguish about her best friend's death. She finds a book about time travel. What? As well as a story Samantha wrote as a child entitled The Last Unicorn, which is in the original film, I believe, about a princess and a boy named Justin. The boy appears and commands Corey to come with him in order to save Samantha. She follows him to a cave where she goes through a portal and takes her back in time. Everything moves backwards to when Samantha was walking down the road. Corey and Randy drive up to Samantha again, and when they stop, Corey is nicer to her. As Randy drives off, the other car still runs into him, and this time Corey is killed instead. <laughs> sucked oh, in, Corey. Sucked in, Corey. Should have left her dead. Yeah, take that for being a good friend. Samantha's devastated after Corey's death. This is going to go on forever. Oh, my God. Let's get to the end. Yeah. Um, Future Samantha is now identical to regular Samantha and she visits Justin in jail. Randy tries to find her as uh, tries to find her as fiery tesseracts. Fucking tesseracts. Uh, Are you done with fucking tesseracts fucking and start with the tesseracts? Fall from the sky and eventually land where Jimmy left her. Uh, Justin goes back in time. He climbs to the windmill that was destroyed in the beginning. <laughs> oh, God. 
It's now in the morning after the meteorite is landing again. Samantha and Corey visit the site and find the locals are saddened because they were part of this film. That's right. why I think the locals are saddened. Yeah, they, they, they thought they were being extras in a really good sequel. <laughs> yeah. As they take away Justin's body, Samantha, never having experienced the events of a meteorite crash, decides to go back home while Corey stays with Randy. The director, Richard Kelly, has stated he has no involvement with S. Darko. He stated... To set the record straight, here's a few facts I'd like to share with you. Beautiful. This is what I want. I haven't read the script. Good. I have absolutely no involvement in this production, yep. nor will I ever be involved. Chris Fisher, director of Estarco, noted that he was an admirer of Kelly's film and that he hoped to, quote, create a similar world of blurred fantasy and reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a world where you think you can direct a Donnie Darko sequel, <laughs> I imagine. Uh, we need to wind okay, it up because yeah, I've got to finish. get to the airport. All right. Um, uh, so well, the show Yes yeah, So the show That This is the thing We've got to talk about I'm doing my stand up shows Obviously so come and see those That'd be great uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival uh, And then uh, Perth afterwards Oh and America Will be on sale by now So uh, that is at uh, The Nerd Melt Theatre In Los Angeles I think on April the 21st But I'll uh, post more details About that But let's talk about uh, The live show Because that's yeah. the thing That we uh, want to talk about Yeah so um, uh, We are hoping By the time this goes up That there are some uh, All the tickets are sold out And in which case We we are going to be doing a live stream of yes. the show. Now, what does that mean? So that means um, for a, a fee, uh, which I think oh, will be five dollars, thousand dollars, five dollars. You can subscribe. Uh, to, you can go to our website, and uh-huh. there, there's a page list up there for our website, which. We don't even. I was about to say, does our website still work? Yeah, our website still exists. Okay. Um, you Are can, there episodes over there up there? Because I was loading them and then I didn't. Uh, so I guess it's not I, up to date, right? that sorted out. Okay. So, <laughs> and neither of us have checked to no. see if that happened. Uh, but he sent me a test page and so there, it is possible. We're going to have a paywall. So okay. basically you buy... A paywall? Uh, pay will for yep. pay will for the pay for oh, whatever fuck you a pay will <laughs> so you can pay will pay will and to pay will and Charlie in brackets <laughs> uh, so you you'll uh, you'll pay a five dollar subscription and then on the night you can watch the show live uh, uh, also listen to the show live there may be a camera involved I haven't worked that out yet okay it might be a surprise how the camera's involved so we'll, it also we'll, we'll might be that. a surprise if this works if this works so please. You know, we're trying. Yeah. And we've tried to keep it reasonable. We're really only just trying to cover costs with this because we just want people to be able to... To get it. Well, the, the show will be out. to be involved live because we'll put it out, obviously, as a podcast. At well, some I think what we'll do is we can archive it. Yeah. Like they do with LA Podfest. So people who have paid the subscription can get in to see it first. Beautiful. And then uh, afterwards we'll release it like everyone else. So if you want to support the show, you can buy a subscription. Um, if you want to get it free like any other time. Sure. Yeah. Do that too. That will work as well. But it'd be, you know, an opportunity for you to kind of listen along and like tweet along or whatever oh, you yeah, want to do. Any of that, that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. Someone should, st- someone should start a, like a, should live tweet it. Get everyone involved. Hashtag Tofop. What? Tofop. Live? Live. Yeah, I guess Let's, so. Yeah. We'll think about that. Yeah. We'll come up with a hashtag for, sure. the, for the last or, week. Or you can. The yeah. Pers- the person who's doing this. Yeah. Can someone do it? <laughs> what we're trying to say is, can you do the hard work for us? Can't someone else do it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. Oh, I'm Will Anderson. Oh.